Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. I mean, you, you go to church, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. Yeah, so what, what are your thoughts on, on God and church and heaven and stuff? All great questions. Just, um, it's, it needs to be answered. Pretty deep question for out on the lawn this morning. I do have a lot of thoughts on that particular issue. Sam, you rang? Pastor Mike, what took you so long? He was just asking me kind of what I believe. Gotcha, I'll take it from here. Thanks. See you guys. Okay. Well, first of all, Sam believes the Bible's the inspired, infallible Word of God. Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross as a, a propitiation. I'm sure your dad's gonna start coming to the games. You know? Once the divorce is funny, things get better. Pastor, can I, can I get a minute? Uh, not really, I'm, I'm babysitting. I've got some groceries to deliver and bill. I'm That's great, for... look. Hey, Jack over here needs somebody to show him the love of Christ. Dad's a real jerk. You know, you got the counseling background. We got tickets to a game, we are late. Maybe just a round of catch to show him, hey, somebody cares. Yeah, well, see you Sunday. It's okay. It's okay. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm feeling okay, but the place is falling apart. I just don't know what to do. Every last dollar goes to the doctor. What can be done? Uh, wow, I don't don't know. That sounds really sad. Somebody need a minister? Oh, pastor. Great, um... She can't take care of her house. There's got to be something someone can do for her, right? You mean help her out? Uh, meet her needs? That's a great idea. Why did I think of that? <laughs> Don't know. I, you know. I just did preach a 16-week series on showing love in practical ways. Oh, yeah. Hey, great series. Good luck, huh? <laughs> Actually, I was just helping an older woman walk across the street. I left her in the median. Hi. I would love to have that superpower where I could just kind of appear wherever. Um, I could scare a lot of you so great, right? Um, but if it comes with a preacher beeper, no way, you know? And, and you know, if we're all, uh, including me, every Christian um, has had that opportunity. Maybe not, with, you know, where you're in a kind of an awkward conversation. And you're, God's kind of put you somewhere where you're like, oh, man, right? And you wish, maybe not even the pastor, but just someone who you know that's like knows the Bible more or has been a Christian longer or something like that. And you're like, man, if I could just, if they were here, this would go so much better. And yet what we understand is that God is sovereign. And so whether we like to accept that or not, he's actually placed each one of us specifically where we are. Right? It's not by chance, not by accident. You're not a robot, but God works into his sovereignty where you are, your family, your workplace, uh, your community, your neighbors, you know, where you shop, all of that for those people for such a time as this. And he has uh, our church as well in, in this time for this place as a mission right, for a purpose. 
And that's what we want to uh, talk about. We're going through, um, just for these four weeks, our gospel-centered purpose statement that our church brings out every once in a while. Uh, and today to talk about that purpose of reaching out with the love of Christ. Let's, uh, it won't be a 16-week sermon series, so don't worry. Let's pray. Father, we, we do, um, we, we are glad that you have us. I mean, you, you, this happened last I mean, night, too. I mean, you go to church, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. Yeah, so what, what are your thoughts on, on God and church and heaven and stuff? Just in case All you didn't see questions. it the first time. Just, um, I, I hit that button. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for technology, even when it goes awry. And we're grateful for it and uh, that it can help us. But the most important thing, Lord, is that we can be here gathered together. Thank you again for the baptism we've already witnessed. But, Lord, I pray that even now as we gather around your word, that it would be your truth that sinks deep into our minds and hearts. You know where we're at, whether someone's been a follower of Christ for a long time. Refresh them in that today or someone's not a Christian, that you would show them what the gospel is, what it truly is, impact them with that today. And Lord, everywhere in between, that may you be glorified because of this time together. We thank you, and just in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so uh, last week, actually, um, Pastor Bob did a great job preaching on discipleship, and he actually used this, this passage, and, 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 and this is, if you have any church background, it's one you've seen before, so we call it the Great Commission, and, and it's really just Jesus' last uh, instructions or commands to his disciples is, this is what I want you to do. And we all know if you're a parent, you know that's important. Like, you're leaving the house, you're leaving your, your kids, you know, and you're like, and don't forget, right, that's to you at least incredibly important. Unfortunately, your kids are often like, yeah, 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 right? Well, that's sometimes what we do, the Jesus kind of last command, right? And so in that, if we, we look at this together, um, in, in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, it says, and Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so this, this, this as I said, uh, sermons here has been going through this, these four topics that we call the purpose of Cornerstone Church. And, and a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about the chief aim of, of, of we've been created to worship God individually and, and also together like we're doing this morning. Um, but we also see these other, and especially in that great commission, is, is to go and make disciples. And that word go, it means to keep going. Right, not just you don't go on a mission trip and you're like, all right, I did what Jesus commanded me and that's it. Right? You, you keep going and you're, the idea and the intent is to make disciples, those who follow Jesus Christ. And that's the, the moment when someone goes from not believing and not knowing Christ to knowing and believing in Christ. And then you, you see the baptism like today. Right? That's kind of that initial sort of like, yes, I'm, I'm identifying with Christ. He's Savior. He's Lord. I'm going to follow him. But then it's just an ongoing discipleship process. And all of that is created with relationships. And so today's focus is that idea of outreach and what that means. What that means to go and make disciples. That um, the book of Acts gives another sort of rendition of, of what Jesus' last command is. And he puts it a little bit differently as Luke writes it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. 
Right? So, so the idea he says, you're going to be my witnesses in your communities where you're local, beyond that, even to the ends of the earth. That's the goal. That's the command to reach out, right? To be the witness for Christ. What I love about both of those passages, you see Jesus commands. He said, hey, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. Like you're not alone in this. I'm with you. And then here he says, I'm giving you the spirit. The Holy Spirit will dwell with you. He dwells with us right here and now. Wasn't that amazing? Like right here and right now, the spirit impacts you. And every time you're in one of those conversations that you wish you had the beeper, right? Like, man, I wish someone else was here. I don't study my Bible enough. I don't like pray enough. I don't know. The Holy Spirit is with you. That's been a promise from Christ. That even though those conversations or the, those, those situations can be hard and, and challenging, man, God is on your side. He's with you through that. That's a, that's a promise. And so if that's what outreach is, is to witness to the ends of the earth uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, then what are we witnessing? Sometimes we can mess that up. And the idea here is that there is a message behind our purpose. And sometimes we can mess it up. We think, oh, we're just trying to care for people, and we should. And just trying to, you know, clothe or, or, or feed people, and we should do all of those things. But in the end, there is a reason we reach out. And that is why front and center is the gospel. And so I want us to look and spend um, most of our time together in a very key passage. Again, one, if you have a church background, you're going to be familiar with it. But if not, it's a key passage in Romans chapter 10. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Rome. And in, in starting in, in verse 9, he's saying this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. That just means being you're right with God now, right? Justified before him. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Right, so confess what? You confess that Christ is Savior and your Lord. You confess he died for you. You confess that he rose. But there's a two-prong to that. It's confessing with your mouth, yes, but it's got to match your heart. You actually believe this by faith. Right? That's what that confession is. He keeps going in um, verse 11. It says, for the scripture says, and he's about to quote the prophet Isaiah here, everyone, that's, that's huge, but we'll get to that, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. What's shame? Like, why do we ever feel shame before God? Why do we feel shame before God? Sin. It's that simple. Because we've sinned before a holy, perfect, righteous God, and we realize that, we feel great shame. Now, we can play the game. We'd love to play this game. Well, I'm not, you know, I don't have as much shame as you. Like, I mean, you know, like, like, yeah, I've, I've done some sins in my life, but man, I didn't, you know, I wasn't a porn addict. I didn't cheat on my spouse. I, I, I didn't, you know, steal and go to jail. I, I didn't, right, whatever it might be. We, we like to play the lateral, you know, that kind of lateral game where we're trying to outdo one another and we're forgetting that it's really about the holiness of God. And so even though that we might think, wow, I don't have the shame you have, every single one of us has sinned and fall short of the glory of God and therefore has shame before God. And yet, what Paul says is, when your heart confesses and, and, and your mouth confesses and your heart believes that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the dead, all of your shame, all of it is gone. I so 
desperately, desperately long for the Holy Spirit to reveal to the Christians in the room right now that your shame from your past sins should be gone. Should be gone. And so many of you carry it with you. And it affects how you interact with others. It affects how you think of yourself. It affects how you treat people. It affects your choices you make. And it affects numbing your pain through things you know you shouldn't do. All because you're still carrying shame you shouldn't have. Right? So if you believe in Christ, that that, that, that shame has been paid for. Like you, you, it's gone. Like God doesn't look at you as shameful. Why do you look at yourself as shameful? It's gone for one reason only, not because you did anything about it, but because Christ did and you believe. And so he continues, verse 12. He says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Now he quotes the prophet Joel and he says this, for everyone, again, that's crazy, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? We talk about that a lot in church. To be saved. To be saved from what? To be saved from that shame and that sin and the judgment and wrath of God that comes from it. Whether It's not a popular thing to say, but it's true, and that's what we deal with here is truth. That, that God has promised that every single sin, even the ones you think aren't as big deal, they are a big deal to God, every one of them gets punished and judged. Every one of them. See, Christians aren't just exempt from judgment. No. Christians don't just get over, you know, it's like, oh, we're just going to overlook that sin because I like you better. No, no, no. It's just a difference between whether the punishment for your sin happens on you for all of eternity or if it was taken by Christ on the cross at Calvary. So that's why the shame is gone. That's why you can be saved. That is the gospel. So when we say we're witnessing to the ends of the earth, when we say that, that we, we have something we want people to know, yes, it is a process as we'll talk about, but, but in the end, that's our end game. We want people to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. That's what we want to do so that people might be saved. And so it's amazing to me, and I've been a pastor for a little while now, and it's amazing to me how many people I've met over the years that maybe grew up in church or, you know, did some kind of church background, knew some Bible stories, and they simply didn't know the gospel. It's just mind-blowing to me. Like we're not here to build a building, have programs. We're here because of what Christ has done, right? And, and like, it's the gospel itself becomes this dividing line between, yeah, I believe in God and I sort of have a religious faith and actually being saved. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. There was a, a man, young man, who's in his early 20s, and he was like that. Grown up in church, he believed in God, he prayed before bed, before meals sometimes, and thought he was pretty, you know, had, had some kind of religious faith and belief. And um, his girlfriend at the time was, uh, came to understand the gospel and began to share with him, like, hey, uh, you know, just kind of saying, yeah, you think there's a God and, you know, having somebody going to church. But that's not enough. There's one way to be saved. There's one way to have that shame taken away, and it's through believing that Jesus died, rose, right, and, and he's coming again and following him as Lord. And that young man was angry, angry. 
Right? It's like, well, well, what about, I don't really like that. And he had opinions about, right? I don't know. There's these people over here. They seem like pretty good people, and they don't believe that. And what about, and what about this? And it was a two-year process around where, where they were constantly a conflict. No, 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 no. And so there was this dividing line between him saying, you know, I, I, I think I have religious belief and actually being saved. But at one point, finally, God humbled him to his knees, and he realized that his opinion about it really didn't matter. What is true is true, and the gospel is true. True story as well. That young 20-something was me. That girlfriend is now, I'm now married to. And it was a process. So if there's someone in the room today right now thinking, well, I just have really just, just don't like that. The gospel's the only way. That doesn't make sense, right? Because, and and I, get, I just want to tell you, like, I get it. I was in your seat for a long time. Right, but it, so, so what I'll just say is, man, just keep seeking. Don't just say, ah, oh, I don't like it. That's, what you like is not what it's about. It's what's true, right? What is true. That's all that should ever matter. And so that dividing line is huge sometimes, that the gospel is what we need to embrace by faith. That's the message that we're witnessing to the ends of the earth. That's the purpose of outreach is the gospel. And you know what the shocking aspect of all of that is, before giving you the end of that passage, is no distinction. Everyone, all, everyone, all, all. Like, this might not seem crazy to you, but certainly was in Paul's day, and, and it really is today when you think about it, that what he's saying is, is it doesn't matter who you are or what you've been. Uh, he said either Jew or Greek, which means Gentile. Like, that was a huge dividing line for them. Like, the Jewish people thought, we're God's people. And he says, yeah, and you can believe the gospel and be saved. And it's like, and guess who else can? Those who aren't Jewish. What? And you know, it's just everyone. So it's like, if you're here today and you're, you're mad wealthy, yeah, you can be saved by trusting the gospel. If you're dirt poor, you can be saved by trusting the gospel. If you're male or female, black, white, brown, what language, what nation, what you're from, you can be the most highly educated person or a high school dropout. Doesn't matter. No distinction. You can be saved through the gospel. And without it, you won't be. Too many people compare ourselves, well, I'm, I have more money, I have career success, my family's doing okay, I must be fine. Don't believe that. We're talking about eternity. And sins must be paid for, and it's either paid for by Christ or by you. And we so desperately want every one of us to understand, to embrace and put our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's why we do outreach. Here's why it's one of the, the purposes, why I wanted to, one of the reasons I wanted to do this passage is Paul continues. He's talking about that. He says, hey, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, again, prophet Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So that's the, that's the mission, right? Not just for preachers. When you see preaching, that's just not what I'm doing here. That's proclaiming to be able to, to speak out that good news, that gospel. You know, it's, it, it means we go into our communities, our schools, our campuses. We go into the hospitals. We go into our prisons. We go into our government systems. We go into our neighborhoods and our communities. And we go there with the intent for the gospel. For the gospel. It, it kind of has saddened me sometimes over the years. I've met Christians who fight against this idea. 
And, and, and they don't necessarily say it that way, but they usually say things like, what about our ins? We've got to take care of ourselves. Like, we've got enough problems in the church. Why are we going outside? Why are we going outside? And I'm like, because Jesus commanded it. Like, what else do we need? Like, we didn't need to, to argue about it any further. He said, go. That doesn't mean we, don't, we have discipling and we have relationship building and we want to do all of that. But as we're doing that, we're going. Right? We're going. And here's why I think we sometimes fight against it. It means mess. It really does. And it can be hard and it's a process. Right? Uh, Pastor Bob sent me an article um, this past week and it was written by James Emery White, and, and it was really kind of talking about the times we live in. And he said, you know, back in the day, not too long ago, the church, with their outreach, was usually just program-driven. Um, think like Billy Graham and the Crusades. Very, very uh, uh, popular thing to do, right? And a lot of people came to know Christ through those types of events. But he said, the reason they were successful is in, in general in America, look at this rubric with me on the screen, and picture number 10 is when someone actually comes to saving faith in Christ, okay? So everything before that is, is leading up to it. And, and what he, he, his claim is, is that back then, most people, even though they weren't Christians, they were about an eight. They were sort of like I was, right? They believed in God. They believed in an absolute truth. They knew something about the Bible. They even had some church experience. They just didn't grasp the gospel, which they needed. He said, the problem is, today, this is where most people are at. And so... A lot of people don't know anything about church or God. Don't know anything. And then when they think Christian, it's a caricature of something they've seen in a movie or in a show. And they hate the idea of God and they even are against, right? And so, so I'm only just putting this in front of you because outreach really is a process. There are good programs you can do and times you can do that. But in the end, it's a hard, messy process that God will use you to reach people. It's going to take time. Not always, because God is sovereign. It can happen. Boom. But most of the time, it takes time. People need to hear it more than once. They need to see the love of Christ in you. That you preach it through your life and your words, right? Not just your life and not just your words, but both. It's not as simple as, hey, church, let's have a big rally, and, and we'll bring people in, and we'll get them saved. It's really not that simple anymore. Now it's us going out and radiating the love of Christ intentionally and purposefully, right? And so... Um, this purpose of outreach for us individually and as a church is to be an aroma. And some of you are an aroma in a bad way. We don't want that kind of aroma, all right? Especially if you've got teenagers. No offense, guys. But, but we're talking about a spiritual aroma. Oh, and I've, I've got to do something. This might help. Got over here. Candle. How many have candles like this at home? Some of you got them. All right, this one is uh, sun and sand. It's kind of sad. Except for those of you who are moving to uh, Florida or whatever for the winter. But for those of you staying with us, it's sad. It'll be back again. I should have done fall harvest or pumpkin spice or something like that, but I'm going to miss the sand. All right, so that is, that wasn't in my notes. Where am I? Okay, so that is um, an aroma. It's a pretty nice aroma. And the closer you are, you'll, you'll, you'll begin to, to smell it. And so the, the, the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to um, finish things off today with 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And in this passage, he's going to talk about outreach as an aroma or a, or a, a good smell. 
to God. And, and, and he gets this idea from the Old Testament, right? Talk, if you read a lot of through the Old Testament, that, they, that God required incense, right? To, there would be an aroma going up to, to him, right? And, and uh, burnt sacrifices were an aroma pleasing to God. But it's not because God liked certain smells, right? It was because if that incense, that act of worship, and that burnt sacrifice matched your heart. Like there's times in the Old Testament when, when God said, your burnt sacrifices are a stench to my nose. They didn't do it wrong. It wasn't like they had the wrong animal, right? It was because their hearts weren't in it. So always remember that. So now in the New Testament, right, under the New Covenant, that it, it's similar, but it's our lives that are. Look what Paul says. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Right? That's the idea. Spread the knowledge of who God is everywhere we go. It continues. In verse 15. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death. To the other a fragrance from life to life. Okay, so if we're in aroma, the fragrance of what? Of Christ. So purposeful, intentional living with wanting people to understand who God is, who Christ is. To do that to be an aroma. But the chief purpose, he says, is to be an aroma to God. And I want you to remember that. Because we're gonna get, it's gonna, it can get hard to live this way. Many of you already know that. But no matter what happens, if you're living the best you can, yes, messing up and repenting almost daily, but trying your best to seek purpose and intent for gospel living, to be the aroma of Christ, you please God. What else do you need? You please God. We are far too interested in pleasing other people, aren't we? People are fickle. They like you one day, the next day they don't, right? Build you up, tear you down. But God is consistently pleased with when we are the aroma of Christ. But he says, that's not all that happens. And that's what, where the outreach comes in. But we are also an aroma to other people. So what does that smell like? Depends. Either life to life or death to death. And I think what, what we're saying there is some people, when you live that way, you stand on truth, you, you make the purpose, the love of Christ to others. Some people are going to be so drawn to that because God is drawing them to you. He's going to use you to bring the gospel to them. And I mean, they're going to love you for how you live. They're going to love you for being kind and, and, and gentle and having the fruit of the Spirit. And other people, those who are perishing, it's going to stink to them. And they're going to hate you for it. What did Jesus say? The world hated me. It's going to hate you too. That's what I mean. Like, it's hard because you know. Like, you can live sort of that compromised life trying to please everyone. It's never going to work anyway. Focus simply to please God. And he will use you to draw those who he's bringing to life by your life to understanding the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's outreach. But it's a process. It's a process. He says, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Here's what it just, it, if you're here and you're like, oh, so what are they trying to trick me into heaven? No, 
This isn't, we're not peddlers. We're not like, you know, a salesman trying to get you to like, like, like be sleek and get you to believe something. No, no, no. It's be sincere. It's to be honest. It's to be truthful. It's to recognize it means mess. And yet here we are, standing among truth, in love, showing people who Jesus is. And there will some who will be drawn to that. And there will be others who will be repelled against it. And there's nothing you can do about that. But you don't know who they are. Don't try to say, oh, that person's perishing. What do you think the early church would have said of Saul of Tarsus? <laughs> was killing Christians. You kidding me with that guy? He's literally the one who wrote this, okay? So we don't know who God is drawing, who he's not. All we need to know is that he uses us by being the aroma of Christ to draw people to himself. That's an awesome responsibility to have an aroma. And so here's how I want to just apply it quickly is this means two ways, individual gospel aroma and collective church gospel aroma. All right, so individually, we're called to be the aroma of Christ, purposefully, purposefully. Do you know every one of us evangelizes something? What are you passionate about and you talk about and you tell people and you don't really care? What their opinion is or if they disagree. Maybe it's sports, maybe it's politics, Oh, gosh, collective groan, right? If I just get you to understand this, right? And then, and we're, po- so it's, if you're on social media, it tends to be what you're posting all the time, what you're sharing, right? We, we're excited. We want people to know. And all I'm just saying is your purpose as a Christian, first and foremost, is to let people know who Jesus is. And that doesn't always mean, it, does, it rarely means hitting people in the head with a Bible. Hopefully never is that what that means, Right? It doesn't mean, you know, trying to trick them into gospel conversations and every, pastor said, every single conversation has to turn to Jesus. No, it's a natural process is to get into their lives and to care about them and love them and not worry that, oh my goodness, if I don't, like just, just let it happen. But when those conversations come about, like we saw in the video, man, this is kind of intense for a, out on the lawn. I just want to mow my lawn. But God will bring those conversations up and then just be obedient. So here's how you, uh, here's kind of what I came up with real quick to do that. If you're sitting there going, I don't really know how even to start. The first thing, and don't forget this, because this is a grand, we're just dealing with one of all of the purpose, is don't stop being discipled in Christ yourself. The more you are in the word, the more you're with other believers, learning, growing, serving, right, the more passionate you're gonna get for Jesus, and the more you're going to be willing to reach out. If you don't disciple yourselves, you will, you will never do outreach, very rarely. So that starts. So don't forget, take care of your own soul in Christ, right? But secondly, if you're not really sure who or what, you just pray. Pray. Pray for opportunities. Pray for God to show you. Pray for God to, to, to give you people that he's drawing to himself, right? Just pray for that. And pray for him to open your eyes. And then when he does, and there's specific people in your life, pray every day for them. And get other Christians in your life to pray for them. Right? Pray every day for them. And then as um, opportunity comes, tell your story. Tell your story. What God has done for you. And what happens in your life. And what happened. People will be in because they know you care about them. So there's, um, as you know, during this uh, series, we've had some real practical ways next door uh, in, in the, the commons area in there um, to 
plug in or, or to be involved in this. And so we have one way. You made me remember a couple of years ago before COVID and all that, we did Who's Your One campaign. And so we have several of these. And this is very simple. It's, you can rip it off, right? And there's a table set up over there. You, if you already have someone, you're like, yes, I know who God's put on my mind or on my heart or someone's. Is to go over there and just put their name down, rip it off and put it in the basket and put it on your uh, as well and then rip it off and keep it. And there's a lot of scriptures of ways you can pray for those people. But when you do that is we will distribute that amongst people in the church who want to pray to pray specifically for these people for you. So you're not alone in this. And we'll keep that out. If you, right now you're not really sure, but next week we'll keep it out for a few weeks that you can, you can participate in that. We'd love to have these names. We can pray. Also, let me know if you're someone, I want to pray for some of those names. We'll give you some of those names to pray for. To be individual aromas for, for Christ. And so we also want to be a collective church to be a gospel aroma. So together, right? That's why it's a purpose to be out. One of the things we always say is that if our church was completely taken away, that our community would really, really miss us. Like they'd be like, what do we do? We don't want them to be like, wasn't there a church over there across from CVS? I don't think we're there, but I also don't think we're there. Right? So our, our goal as a church is to say, hey, we want our community to know. So that, that's as much as we can, and they'll let us right, get into schools, pray for them, help them. Right? That's why uh, Vicki's class on parenting, we specifically uh, have her doing that in the public school because we want people to get to know uh, us through her. We've done other things that, that we just try to bless and, and, and be there. We, we did the, the uh, family fun day recently. It was, you know, we, we had a prayer tent set up so people could have gospel conversations, but we weren't forcing them to. You want to go on this jumpy jumpy? Tell me about Jesus. Do you know you're a sinner? Right? We, went, we weren't doing that. We weren't doing that. Right? We were just showing, hey, we love you. So they're like, okay, these people aren't crazy like you see on TV. We are a little crazy, just not in a way that they realize yet, right? And, and so um, over uh, across the way, um, we have a few. First of all, we have a general outreach table. If you're just interested in general and doing stuff like that, you can sign up your name or, or talk to someone over there. Um, when we have events or even if you have good ideas, let us know. Um, Absolutely. Uh, we also have our Worcester outreach that we go every month to, to serve the homeless. Um, if you're interested in being part of that, go see someone over there. And, and uh, we also have our uh, Samaritan purse, which is the, you know, the shoe boxes for kids at Christmas. Um, if you want to be involved in that, there's a table set up. Our missions. So if you're interested in being on the missions team that, that kind of supports our, not just like kind of um, is a liaison between our church and our missionaries. Also, maybe a missions trip you're interested in doing. Um, there's a, a table set up there as well. Make sure I got everything. Yeah, I think I do. Um, and so uh, those, those tables are there for you. If that's something like God has gripped you or something that you're excited about or passionate about, plug in. We'd love for you to plug in as a church to go, to go, to be the aroma of Christ. And remember, it's all about the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for um, the men and women and boys and girls who are with us today. And I thank you that you have your word for us. And I'm just asking for you to cement in our minds and hearts what the gospel really is. Humbled before you, that you are holy and we've sinned against you. And there is great shame, and yet we don't need to have that shame because, Jesus, you died for us. 
And so, Father, if there's anyone in this room who's just never confessed Christ, they're trying to do it on their own, would you draw them even through this prayer right now to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you are Lord, that you died and rose and you will come again, and that we can see them be baptized soon. Father, I pray for the Christians in the room, Lord, that you would refresh us and awaken us to the idea of reaching out to wherever you've placed us, that you've given us the friends we have and the circles we have to be gospelly intentional about being the aroma of Christ. Lord, that convict us to put down whatever we're putting in front of that and make you be the main thing and that people will see that in us as individuals and us as a church. And it's in Jesus' name we worship you and praise your name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing before we go.